Attention culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories. So, of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond with yet another Star Wars podcast. From the endless sand dunes of Tatooine to the highest levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we'll put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on... Yet another DC animated podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Star Trek First Contact came in. And you know, in that movie, they do a little time travel. They travel back in time because uh, something's going to conquer something and they got to stop it from conquering. I didn't watch Star Trek. Growing <laughs> up. I, I, I was like, where? What? <laughs> There's some conquering and there's some time travel. I know that for sure. <laughs> uh, okay, so I have no way to back this up if this is true or not. But yeah, I, I agree. With I mean, I, I used to watch like, what was it Deep Space Nine? I used to drop on UPN, I think. That's the closest <laughs> yeah. I got. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> we all know that UPN was the original black channel. So. <laughs> Before the CW. Guys. Right. <laughs> but... As we are time traveling, thinking about that, we're also time traveling in these episodes, or rather, first episode of our season four of the Static Shock series. This is it. We are wrapping up the Static Shock series with this one, with our first three episodes uh, Shock to the Future, She Back, and Out of Africa, all of which are kind of spinoffs a little bit of the season three, uh, if not spinoff, sorry, but more kind of like sequels to our season three set of like the open episodes. So with all this like time travel and a shock to the future with, uh, you know, the presence of someone taking everything that happened in static in Africa and bringing it to Dakota and also just the back and forth that kept happening with our shebang return and also static. I'm reaching with this one, but I'm going to call this one time out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know what? It's not that, not that much of a reach. It's okay. 
Well, anyway, we have the full-on cast of Static is back in these episodes, including some returning voices, as we have Kimberly Brooks, who reprises a role as Madeline Spaulding. This is a name we haven't heard in a while. Oh, yeah, this is this is since the Amoeba and the 1% of Germs episodes. <laughs> way back, way, way back. We also got Rosalind T- Taylor-Jordan. She's back as Shebang. Michael J. White, Carl Lumpley, and Roscoe Lee Brown return for another Asaba, Anansi, and Dr. Inoki caper in the Out of Africa episode. And finally, he's not one of not only one of my favorite actors of all time, but he's just like one of my favorite people because we have Talks with Squirrels, a.k.a. Ron Stoppable, a.k.a. Terry McGinnis, the future Batman, Will Friedel, who is reprising his role today as Batman Beyond, Batman of the Future, Terry McGinnis, in our Shock to the Future episode. Ah, love hearing his voice. Love hearing his voice in that suit. It's just a match made in heaven. It really, really, truly is. And I am so glad that we get a chance to do a... We're keeping with the tradition of the static premiere, having that Batman connection. And I'm glad that this time it's not just going to be focused on Bruce Wayne. We finally got... Uh, Terry McGinnis in that really cool bat suit. I just always loved it. So let's not waste any time as we start off with Shock to the Future, as this is our episode with the Terry McGinnis Batman Beyond, as we start our season once again with a crossover episode of between Static and Batman. They're doing some heroic things in Gotham, and we cut to who I'm now going to call Hydroxycut Commissioner Gordon. Because this man lost so much weight compared to like the original Batman, the animated series. And he's handling a raid as they're trying to capture this villain named Time Code, who has a pretty interesting reason for his like villainry. Yeah, and it's he he wants to do a reverse looper, is the best way I can think of it. Yeah. Where he, <laughs> he helps criminals escape to the future. And I feel like <laughs> there are some other options here, criminals. <laughs> like, you could literally go, like, a few days before the heist or after the heist and, like, pin it on somebody else. You could escape a couple of years in the past and, and make money and not make sure you don't get caught. Like, I, what do you... Why go to the future? It seems like the, the dumbest option. <laughs> You're still wanted in the future. You realize that, right? <laughs> right. There's no statute of limitations on like, like the crimes that they're probably planning to commit. Like you will yeah. get caught. Like, what do you? Why would you go into the unknown future where things could be conceivably worse? It makes <laughs> no sense. Just like it doesn't make any sense for Batman and Robin to do anything when Static is around and can instantly <laughs> stop the villain by tearing off the roof. Here's your shocking scene of destruction, kids. Gotham's already messed up, and then Static flies in and rips off a roof to catch one dude. Yes, because we find Time Code, who I don't think he's related to, what's his name, Kronos from the Justice League animated series episode when we first saw Justice League dealing with time travel. But they find that uh, Time Code has this chair that he uses to send people to the future so now that they have gotten it, they take it back to the Batcave. Robin is here. He's feeling unappreciated by Batman because every single time that he passes some kind of tool to Batman to use to help crack open the chair or something, 
Batman's not saying any please and thank you. And I'm just like wondering where does Batman get his manners from? Like, bro, you have Alfred who is basically carrying the entire team on your back. Have you never thanked the man if you're not thanking Robin? Apparently not. And also, which Robin is this? This should be Tim Drake Robin. Okay. Because like he's a little more sassy than usual. I thought he was Jason for a second. <laughs> he did. I mean, he could have passed him a crowbar. So he, for all we know, he could. Yeah. Valid, valid. <laughs> so Static is talking with Robin and he is telling him to just be chill because he's understanding that Robin's frustrated that Batman isn't thanking him or asking for anything politely. And it's just like, I think this is a moment where Static realizes that like he doesn't have the mentor like uh, compared to what Robin has and maybe some other superheroes you've seen. So this does lead to a moment where they get distracted and Batman gets engulfed in the eternal power source that the chair has. And it seems like it might be holding Batman captive in some way. Yeah, and Static does, you know, what you shouldn't do in any horror movie, which is step in yourself. And he gets sucked inside of the chair and thrust into the Batcave sometime in the future. And almost immediately upon entering the Batcave of the future, it's on site because Terry McGinnis in the Batman Beyond suit is there and just ready to give the business to Static. Not, doesn't ask any questions, <laughs> even though he fully knows who Static Shock is um in the future like he's like nope this kid's uh this kid's going down so we get a fun battle which uh, my favorite part is when static uses the big penny as a shield mm, yeah against one of batman's attacks yeah it is truly just so cool and again we are big fans of the batman beyond series so seeing just basically the bat cave of the future being manipulated like this and also one of my favorite moments is like as Virgil or Static is asking Terry who he is. This is when Terry says that, like, he's Batman. And Static replies, well, I'm Beyonce. And it leads into Terry, I guess, admitting that in the future, Beyonce isn't as big as she is now. Yeah, this is the one future prediction they got wrong. Uh, Mm. Sorry, Static Sean. (laughs) Because everyone knows who Beyonce is now. I'm sorry. Please don't come after us, (laughs) Beyonce. Unless this was a really bad future. Who knows? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> After their, their scuffle, Bruce comes in and clears it up. He explains that he's been waiting for Static to appear in some time in the future, which really makes his nights interesting. Like, how many nights did he sit in the cave? Like, <laughs> is it happening? Is it happening? Okay, never, never mind. We don't worry about it. So he he says, you know what? Since you're here... Might as well put you to work. I'm not going to make any attempt to get you back to your own time <laughs> at all. We're just going to put you to work. And he says that, you know, a hero has been captured by terrorists and Bruce, like Bush, does not negotiate with terrorists. So he's like, let's send you and Terry to take this guy. And Sadik's like, why should I care about this guy? And it's a pretty good reason. Yeah, because this guy that has been captured by the Cobra, this gang called Cobra, they have captured the older version of Static. So 
now we hear that Static's future is literally at stake and it's up to his past in order to save him. And that's, that's a deep message, even though that's it's really just like Virgil taking on this, this journey of his. And this is when we find out a little bit more about the Cobra gang, what they're up to. So while Batman, by which we mean, we're calling, I'm calling Batman, uh, the Terry McGinnis Batman for this episode, just for the sake of, of just, you know, keeping things straight over here, trying to figure out who's who. While Batman and Static head out to go meet with their Cobra contact, uh, we get kind of more on the flip side, what's happening with the Cobra commander, I mean, leader. Um, <laughs> Cobra command. He is the Cobra commander. He is, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my god so uh yeah we got you know what cobra commander it is (laughs) (laughs) so the cobra commander he is currently locked up in jail and this is when the warden comes to pick him up and cobra commander completely quickly deduces that the only reason why he's being let out and being transferred is because he's being used for prisoner exchange so he starts questioning who did they capture and he's going through the list like is it is it wonder woman is it somebody else? And then when he says static, this is when the warden turns around and tells him to be quiet. And now we know that like there's probably like a little bit of history between Cobra and Static over these past, like I think they said it was about 40 years since Static that Static jumped to the future. Yeah, I guess like he uh fried his snake eggs or something. I don't know. But <laughs> it, uh, it clearly he is has it's on site with him and static, um, which, you know, uh, I, I kind of wish it was like one of his one of statics rogues a little bit or like mm. it was connected to him. But you know what? This is fine because Cobra Commander is a fine enough villain here. So Terry and Virgil go out to meet a contact who can get them some more information on the Cobras. And we get a little some little tidbits that Robin is a civilian, which I think is a nice tie in to Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Mm-hmm. If we're in the same continuity, uh, they mentioned gears in another part of the country and static has a son, you know, he's dropping way too much information, Terry. Like <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep some of this future stuff under wraps. But in any case, Terry's like trying to warn Virgil not to mess around with his own future and, you know, no spoilers. But recently I saw Adam Project and also hashtag not sponsored. So I thought it was a, a nice coincidence. When you watch the movie, you'll understand. But in the process of waiting for their contact, Virgil finds someone who does not look trustworthy at all. But he has a feeling he can lead him to where they want to go. And they lead into a warehouse full of people who, I guess, just want to kill Terry yeah. and Static. I so the people that they meet up with is the Joker's gang. Uh that is Jokers with a Z. Because and this is the gang that basically runs the streets in Neo Gotham from the Batman Beyond series. They are always just a thorn in their side. This is also the uh the group that teamed up when in Return of the Joker. They had a big plot point there, but they are basically ready to kill the two of them and even though static is just like come on they're just a bunch of clowns what are they really going to do these clowns were unofficially trained by the joker because one of them straight up throws a pie and this pie is filled with acid 
and another one throws i want to say it was like a what are those things called um a slinky through like a slinky kind of that wraps up terry and keeps constricting him and again i need to know who's in charge of the patents in gotham because these things are deadly (laughs) yeah i love the the selection of weapons because immediately i was like you know terry can kind of fight but Mm -hmm. can static fight like that and luckily no worries because static is just going to openly use his powers (laughs) honestly it's fine because it's the future so conceivably they wouldn't remember who he is but still pretty pretty risky to do um to fight without a mask and use your full electricity powers and during this sequence i do like there was a nice little callback because when someone tries to use an electric joy buzzer it doesn't work mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, call back to when the joker tried the same thing and got shocked for his trouble so despite terry and virgil making it out of this fight intact Terry's still pretty pissed that Virgil blew a potential lead during this mission. And to get things worse, Cobra Commander um, has a man on the inside that helps him escape the prisoner transfer and crawl underneath the bridge, I guess, because he has. Yeah, I was. So I don't I didn't know snakes could do that. (laughs) Yeah, they can. If you're a snake, you can crawl underneath the bridge. Also, I do love the police were just going to shoot him. (laughs) <laughs> like rather than get him away, let, let him get away. They're like, we we'd rather kill him. Honestly, <laughs> the future be different. <laughs> <laughs> and this leads into a unintentionally funny moment for me because as the Cobra Commander, he runs over to an airfield, and as he gets to it, he sees this like fighter plane, this like solo one pilot plane. And right before it's about to take off, the pilot's calling out to, to air to ground control, letting him know that he's um he's ready, but he just wants to make sure that he's able to go ahead. And they were like, Nope, you have some something obstructing you, so we're gonna have you wait. And then he the pilot immediately gets taken out and thrown out by the Cobra commander and gets his plane stolen. And my first question was, how did no one realize that the voices were different if they if there is something because they just he immediately flies off with like no clearance but then the other funny part is that the pilot who was thrown outside now runs up and is just waving his fist at this plane taking off like one of the from the episode of simpsons the the lemon of troy where the shelbyville shelbyvillians are just like shaking their fists and i just that's the first thought that came to my mind wave your fist harder boy (laughs) look you know in the future flight when they were flying cars like flying planes must be less of a deal in the future so (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh i could do i could use this as a tax write-off i guess (laughs) yeah i i guess things are a little bit more lax but while cobra commander heads off and steals a plane static is hijacking the radio frequencies with his electricity powers to listen in on terry's private conversation and again things are just not going well with this partnership they just can't really see eye to eye on how to approach things so static in lieu of leads decides to head to the gas station of solitude and after unintentionally finding a retinal scan it's revealed they upgraded this gas station to have Mm -hmm. a whole new level and they see a hologram of gear who's put on a couple pounds since we last saw him (laughs) yeah and i 
this moment is just really cool because as they see the hologram, it comes out of this upgraded version of the shock box. And he static automatically assumes that maybe this is like a video call that's happening, but Terry alerts him that this is actually a recorded message, like those old timey machines that they use to receive messages as if he, we don't know what an answering machine is. So I, I know that the future this is 40 years in the future, but come on, like at, we, we know he could at least said like a voicemail or something. Right. <laughs> And in this recorded message, this is when Gear tells him that he needs some backup and he needs Static to head on over to platform 247. So our younger Static here is now kind of piecing it together. He's like, wait, if Gear's supposed to be on the other side of the world, why is he saying that he needs help here in Gotham? And they realize that this is a, this was a faked message by the Cobra gang to kidnap the, the, the future Static so now it's up to them to try to find out where platform 247 is. But luckily, Bruce Wayne, still being alive, just has this wealth of knowledge of what platform 247 truly is. So they head on over to the hideout of the Cobra Commander base, which is basically a flying ship, which I'm pretty sure that existed also in the G.I. Joe universe. Yeah, I'm seeing I'm sensing that the G.I. Joe movie copied a lot from the static episode. Mm-hmm um and let's let's get an investigation going and (laughs) (laughs) because uh but unlike gi joe cobra commander has access to splicing technology which allows him to kind of mutate himself on the fly Mm. which he immediately wants to do upon freedom you know i'm not here to shame anyone's habits but uh i think i'd get a soda or something before i splice myself with snake dna after getting out of jail but yeah. that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in lieu of a plan, this is finally where Virgil and Terry bond because instead of making a well thought out plan, Terry's like, you want to go down there and fight really hard? And Static's like, let's do it. And <laughs> they go down to fight the Cobra commander uh, and try to free older Static. And I do like a quick line from Cobra commander where he assumes the young Virgil is a clone because I, I, you know, that's just a really fun idea to think. Like, he didn't think time travel. He was like, oh, you must be a clone. Oh, yeah. And it was even worse. It was just the insult to injury because he was just like, it's a mini static. And as static tries to shock him, he's just like, oh, yeah, definitely mini. Because it's clear that maybe static just doesn't have the much. He didn't release as much energy as he normally does, maybe. That's what we're hoping for. Um, but it doesn't it's not effective against the Cobra commander who I'm guessing now this makes snakes, you know, impervious to electrical attacks. I don't know if this is actually true in, in our world, but it, it is for him. Don't go find that out. Yeah, everyone don't <laughs> look it up if it's out there, but don't go trying it yourself <laughs> for multiple reasons. <laughs> so this leads into a huge fight. In which now I do love this scene because Static and Batman are teaming up with one another. Static supercharges Batman's suit and Batman throws over some some like knockout gas and other kinds of tech that he that Static can use to supercharge them even more. So this does lead to the Cobra Commander finally being taken out by some knockout gas. And now they hear the door just basically being broken down by the entire Cobra cult. So Static goes over to the stasis field that's holding his older self, 
and finally destroys the machine or lets down the, the, the shield. And we get to see this really cool looking future static. He's got the, the dreadlocks. He's got a beard now. He's got the suit that's kind of like his comic book version mixed with maybe with a little bit of Black Lightning kind of. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the dude just looks cool, fly. The swag is on point. Like, so we're just, I'm just amazed. I know that probably we were just amazed, especially when we were kids, just seeing this like cool static, just walking through, taking step by step. And he's just like, every step he takes is like thundering. Well, not really. We don't really hear thunder, but it felt like that as he's just shocking people left and right with little, very, just like basically with ease. Yeah, he is on a whole different tier. Like he's, the, this legion of army, cobra snake people is no problem for him whatsoever and the difference in power is just staggering so it's cool to see that he's going to grow stronger and it's also cool to see phil lamar do a little double voice role mm-hmm. as young static and older static playing both characters um and you know old static doesn't want to give anything away so he just tells the younger self believe in yourself that's it that's really all you can do and just in that moment, young Static is thrust back into the present he knows. And as Static pops back into his time, we see he's caught by Batman and Robin. Gear is on the other side of the chair. He's fixed it all up. So this is where Static kind of wraps up our episode with his Wizard of Oz moment of just like, you know, I was in the future and I saw you and you and Batman doesn't want to know his future. Like he's telling him to rather not know what happened to him. But he does get the comfort in knowing that he still has his hair as Static does end our episode by telling Gear that he does need to lay off the fries because, uh, you know, that super suit probably ain't going to fit too well in the future. Look, he got some spandex in the future. It's all right. You know, Richie, eat that. Go to Burger Fool a couple more times. You'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. Get your grub on, boy. (laughs) So... Now that that episode has ended and Static didn't have to deal with, you know, getting super grounded this time around for being 40 years late, because there are some questions about time travel we do have there. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> we are back to our next episode with Shabak. So we open up to get off your rocket comics as Virgil and Richie are picking up some issues. And we do get an excellent little callback here as one of the comics that Static picks up is Soul Power. So Either Soul Power is still being printed out or this was a back issue. Anyway, I just love the fact that we were still able to see Soul Power make a cameo appearance in season four. Yeah, definitely after his uh, save, there were some back issues that they released. I'm thinking, uh, you know, cash in. So Static reading this comic gives a little bit of exposition, letting us know that about superheroes that say powers can shift over time. And very conveniently, Madeline, who we last saw trying to control people in the Brain Puppet episode, is in the shop. She's working at the comic shop, I guess, as part of work release. Though that's a really good work release job. <laughs> um, so it's revealed that she doesn't remember when she found out Virgil's identity, but she does still carry that resentment and anger towards Static. So after having the conversation, when she sees... Virgil and Richie laughing she automatically assumes they're laughing about her and gets pissed off and discovers that her telepathic powers have now become telekinetic and she can move things with her mind now um how does that work don't don't ask us 
we, we can't tell you. <laughs> I will say, though, that this is not the first time that Virgil's done this. Uh, well, it has been the cause of a power change because we do. I'm thinking back to our season one replay episode where the dude that was like the formal, former child star was able to make copies of himself. And after he got shocked by static or hit by like a very big static blast, he made a copy of Virgil. So I guess it's kind of like that. But at the same time, this one doesn't make as much sense as they thought it could. Yeah, your explanation actually makes a lot more sense than the throwaway <laughs> line that, you know what, sometimes powers change. Because um, it probably powers go through puberty, y'all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, our powers were pretty broken before. So um, that definitely helps. So now that Madeline has these new telekinetic powers, she immediately puts on this patchwork quilt super suit and spins like a ballerina. Yeah, I I <laughs> I was like, is that part of your aesthetic? Are you going to do a ballerina thing? No, that was just her entrance. Like, I do think, though, there was a missed opportunity here because they never gave her a um, uh, a code name. And nope. I was thinking, it's like, why have we never actually called her the I, I, maybe this works the puppeteer because she did break oh. control and then now she can move things and I'm I would assume that this Patrick ballerina style is supposed to be kind of like a doll playing around things so why have we never called her the puppeteer in this in these shows I and I just thought of that like <laughs> look you might be the new king of RTA alterations here because you're you're just throwing out things on the fly here <laughs> that's a I really learned, good I learned idea from the best yo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so while i'm gonna i want to call it the puppeteer for the rest of this so while the puppeteer had after she breaks out ebon francis and bootleg hot girl uh static and gear are immediately thrown into action and they're followed by my favorite character shebang <laughs> <laughs> We don't get her theme song this time around, so that makes it even worse. One, stop ahead of the game. <laughs> so the reluctant trio of faces against the meta breed and puppeteer, and gear initially looks like he gets knocked out for a second. And now Madeline is really showing her new powers by throwing cars like it's nothing. Like, she's the one doing the destruction. And luckily, Richie was playing dead and is able to get away from the villains. But this battle still doesn't go too well for our heroes. Yeah, unfortunately, as everyone is trying to dodge all these cars and some are um, can't recuperate just in time, this does give the meta breed a chance to escape as Ebon takes this as an opportunity of kind of instilling some villain 101 on them by saying that we need to get out of here because we don't want the cops on us so this does give static gear and shebang a moment to collect themselves as they try to figure out what's going on by which means static and gear trying to figure out why shebang is there and she before they could get that answer some news reporters pop up and they're immediately thinking like oh shebang doesn't like you know, she doesn't like the the media. She doesn't like being in the limelight. But this time around, she's just like, nope, I'm all here for it. She starts talking to all the reporters saying how 
you know, she jumped in to save Static and Gear. And if they want to be a part of her team, they definitely can be. And even passes out some business cards. And I know Gear had business cards and Shebang had business cards. Who are printing these business cards? Because I don't think Staples is out here really printing out all of these for them. Yeah, I was about to say, like, you know, now you can do it online pretty much easily, but before you had to go to Kinko's and stuff like to get this done. So I don't know, maybe there's maybe there's a side business, a side hustle for superhero business cards. <laughs> maybe Bruce Wayne run, runs it on the side. He you know? would actually, he would own that. <laughs> so, and, you know, Shebang eventually reveals that now that somehow they found every single person that was after her though they shut down the whole shady organization and there are no loose ends whatsoever so now she is free to stay in dakota she's free to operate a shebang and she's really trying to throw herself back into the public life at full speed she really wants to um really wants to be a kid again which is you know kind of an admirable arc for her i think to to see her try to really thrust herself fully into it. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, the puppeteer, she also is eager to lead a team. She's also hungry to take control of the villains. And you can already see that Ebon, he don't like being a lapdog. Yeah, especially because he comments on this a lot of calling her uh, the high school student or, you know, like class president, something like that. Like basically just acknowledging the fact that we never get an age of how old Ebon is in the series, but he definitely here kind of shows off that he's he's older than Madeline, who maybe be about 15 or 16 if Virgil's also been active, been active as static for the last two years or so. So she does show that she can take down static and then this does give Francis and Bootleg Heart Girl some more reason as to why they want to follow her. But we don't get a chance to see their plan just yet. As we head on over to school, Virgil and Richie are talking about the power change that Madeline experienced, as well as Shanice's return. And they really are just not vibing with Shanice the same way that they did in the previous two episodes that she, she was in. We also see that she's having some issues connecting with a lot of her other classmates as she is assisting with helping them put together the homecoming dance and is keeps throwing out all these ideas, being very pushy. And even asking people to, you know, like, are they sure about this thing, about that thing? And it's really pissing off basically everybody. So this gives Virgil and Richie a time to just say, like, we need to keep our distance from her because she might just be too much of a personality right now on our team, especially with the new superpowered Madeline and her team up with the Metabreed, because they hear a radio frequency of a police scanner and they need to head on out to stop this metahuman attack. As Shanice tries to ask them what's going on, this is where they pull the classic Tommy Troubles, you know, the tune of surprise, was strong today in the lunchroom <laughs> resort. So they head on over to City Hall where the Metabreed led by Madeline is just basically destroying everything. They're blowing up things because of Francis. They are crashing cars and everything. And Static and Gear try to wrap this up quickly, but Shebang jumps in because she now knows that, like, they basically went on without her. Yeah, and uh, while they arrive at this scene, I I just thought the the sight 
of the as a meta breeder like tearing up the city hall and stuff this there's this one cameraman who is so dedicated yes. to his job that he almost dies trying to get that exclusive he got the best action shot because when francis threw that fireball at his face he he waited until the absolute last second but kept the camera on it i'm proud of this guy but dude stay stay home stay home <laughs> and Right away, again, we see the, the strain of the teamwork uh, between the villains is so weak that Ebon refuses to even participate. He just is saying, if your plan is so good, let's see what you got. Let's let's see what your plan is to take down Static. And it's actually pretty effective, strangely, because Madeline tears up the damn gas lines of the city with her powers and... I mean, pretty much instantly, that's a big problem if Francis decides to put get fire anywhere near it. And while we're worried about that, Static is getting into a quick battle with the bootleg hawk girl. And in a very weird turn of events, they end up like grappling. And I cannot for the life of me understand why he didn't just shock her. Yeah. They weren't near the gas lines at this point so i was like why didn't you just electrocute her like you literally always do <laughs> also she does have that sonic scream so i don't understand why she only used it once and didn't try again like we've seen that it doesn't need like a like a recharge and again it's static he does so doesn't need a recharge so i don't understand why they were grappling with one another either and more importantly as shebang jumps into push static or bootleg hawk girl away he yells that like he had he had a right where he wanted her and i have no clue for the life of me where they were going with this except just like holding hands during a chaotic event around them yeah maybe virgil and bootleg hawk girl started a thing you know you want to get into Mm. it in front of everybody i don't know but (laughs) (laughs) he was spitting game while holding her hand (laughs) Whatever the case was, the battle goes sideways. Um, and in the end, the Metabreed once again gets away after Madeline backs down the biggest statue to ever exist outside of the Statue of Liberty. Um, Virgil uses Electro Web. Uh, it's a Pokemon move, guys. And he <laughs> to stop the statue from falling. And here's where his frustration with Shanice boils over. Yeah, because at that moment, Shanice is just talking about how proud she is of the work that they did today. More importantly, how proud of the work that she did. And, you know, she's saying that, like, yeah, she was able to save everybody from the falling statue. But this is when Gear points out that, no, it was actually Static, who I actually am a little surprised that Static wasn't able to pick this up because we have seen him kind of move boats and other kind of statues in the past. I'm surprised that, like, this time around, he had a little bit of issue. But anyway, he comments to her as just saying that, like, you know, her recklessness of trying to show that she's so much more confident and cooler is causing them to truly bump heads because she's leaping in and not looking where she's going. And this is leading to them having to clean up her messes in the aftermath. And they don't want to have to worry about saving civilians, taking down the Metabreed, and also keeping an eye out for her and her, like, ridiculousness. Because this is already the second time that they faced off against Madeline. 
and they're accustomed to maybe like a second fight takedown of the whatever villain they're up against. So now Static decides that he just really wants to keep the distance between um, him and Gear and away from Shanice. And this is the first time, too, that even Gear is just like, nah, I want to keep my distance from Shebang as well, who in the past two episodes has always been riding for Shebang to join the team, always felt comfortable with her being around. So I think this time around, it hits her differently, knowing that even Gear doesn't want to be around her. Yeah, and this, you know, admittedly, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll, cards on the table. Shebang has never been a particular favorite of mine. But um, what I do like what this episode does is it sews down and you see that Shanice at school, they've kind of excluded her from the, the committees and, mm-hmm. you know, she's getting rejected by Virgil and Gear. And it, it does speak to this thing where, you know, something particularly what happens to a lot of young ambitious girls though it can happen with boys it more often so happens with girls where they're automatically labeled as pushy if they try to show ambition if they try to show their dedication and that they're they're into something and especially for someone who has been given no chance to do that in their life um like shebang has uh it really hits home that she's being rejected by her peers and everyone and her mom really just says, you know, you got to adjust. They got to adjust the new you, who you are. So I think it it was a nice thing to see the episode kind of acknowledge something that really isn't talked about, where it's just too, where girls who are seen as, get too, are seen as too ambitious, quote unquote, are, you know, uh, put in a box and and kind of rejected by their peers at this age. Um, it's It's a nice little, nice little detour but before they get back into the action, because Shebang is like, you know what? I'm going to go solo. I-, I can do this alone. And she's immediately captured. <laughs> uh, you know, I-, I just really wanted to say that I didn't even see it from that point of view. I didn't get that. I didn't see that message at first, but it does make a lot of sense. Like, I didn't think about the issues that Shanice was going through from that perspective. You know, I just saw it as, you know, it's definitely just part of the growing pains. And like, you know, I was thinking that like, hey, it's a 22 minute episode. They're going to resolve their issues by the end of it, no matter where it is. But that's a, that's a really good point. Like there, this is something that does get echo out a lot in our society, where it's just like being strong is limited to a gender in some way. So it is, I'm glad that they actually kind of created the story in this way to just say that like Shanice needed Shanice is different now, so she needs to she needs to be seen for the who she, who she is now versus like how they just wanted her to be in the past. So it's just like if this is I didn't think about that, and I'm, I'm really amazed that like they did they were able to pull that off in just like the 22 minutes because it makes so much sense. Yeah, it's definitely a needed dimension for her character because mm-hmm. um, she's kind of pretty much a flat arc and pretty selfish the last time we saw her when she was trying to expose everyone so i think it's a nice way to kind of course correct without completely changing her character like making her what was her more annoying flaw into Mm -hmm. something that is something she has to confront and overcome and after the metabri captures her while she's on patrol 
Madeline makes it pretty clear that she's ready to just straight up merc static. Yeah. What? (laughs) There's season four already is getting kind of dark. There's another moment that I was just like, they are, they're willing to kill in this season because as we see now that Madeline is ready to kill static and Ebon is I, I guess in some way either ready to take down or also kill Madeline because the two of them get into another argument about who wants to be in charge this time around it gets pointed out by Francis who tells it to Shebang who's wondering like why is it that there's so much infighting between the meta breed so she uses this as an opportunity to pivot Ebon from thinking that like he doesn't have as much say to saying that he needs to fight for his right to lead this gang and this leads into a full-on battle between ebon and madeline or the puppeteer as uh static and gear they find out from shanice's mom that she's gone missing since going outside so they go on their own patrol to see if they can find her and they immediately find her because from one of the attacks that Ebon pulls off, we see that his uh, shadow portals that he normally creates has the ability of a whirlpool because it starts dragging Madeline down into the darkness. Yeah, again, Pokemon fans, he was using either like gust or whirlwind. It was one of those like <laughs> air attacks. <laughs> and he uh he's pulling Puppeteer in and setting gear arrive to help save Shebang. And admittedly, you know, I give the Puppeteer a lot of crap this episode, but there's a cool moment where Richie tries to use a grenade against her and she stops in midair. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? That's that's pretty cool without any effort. Now they all break out into these individual battles. Shebang takes on Bootleg Hawk Girl and ends up catching her in some tires. So, you know, anyone on the, on the internet wondering about that wheels versus doors debate today, wheels won. And <laughs> meanwhile, Richie does a really dumb thing. I, <laughs> he runs away from Francis and separates himself from his backpack and lets himself get cornered. And then the backpack does like this freezing bomb on mm. Francis. Could he have not done that with the backpack still attached to him? Right. Like, why didn't backpack just pass it over to him so that he can throw it? Because we've seen that gear has some pretty great aim. And then for static, he faces off against Madeline because Madeline wanted that one on one with him. And this is where Static, I'm pretty sure, could have killed Madeline because as Madeline is giving him a real run for his money, she is sending everything but the kitchen sink his way. As Static grabs onto a nearby pipe, he notices that there's an electrical storm happening around him. It's not raining, but there's just thunder and lightning. And he decides to positively charge the garbage around him so that the negative charge of the lightning is attracted to it, causing Madeline to get caught in the middle. And she is basically shocked beyond like anything I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, like before we'd get that Static defeated her originally with uh, a powerful shock. This seemed like overkill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, emphasis on the kill. <laughs> yeah, like... She has powerful telekinesis, but there's nothing suggesting like any secondary powers that would have kept her safe from this. 
or alive. Mm-hmm. So he kind of went in for the kill shot. I mean, she was trying to kill him, so fair, fair enough. But damn, <laughs> this leads to us wrapping up our episode here as all the villains are taken in francis and evil hot girl they are taken in as they normally are as well as ebon who's wrapped up in his like i have no idea what these are but these look like a plasma handcuff chains that he's always had since like season three i think sure and then uh madeline she or a puppeteer here she apparently goes back into her catatonic state that static left her in in season two where as we see her being carried away in a straight straight jacket and her eyes are just kind of had that glossy look as if she's no one's home really so now sgs as shebang had called them static gear and shebang they're now having a conversation they're both apologizing for everything that happened that led to led to their argument and Static and Gear are just like, you know, if you truly want to be a part of our team, we'd be happy to have you be a part of our team. No questions asked. We're not going to do it kind of like last time. And this time around, she's like, okay, cool. I'm happy to be a part of it. But I know now to when to keep my distance and when to um, not be too overconfident and try to jump in on to help with y'all. So they all now head off in the distance because they hear an ongoing emergency as they all leap into action as we head out of the junkyard to now head out of Africa. I, I just got to say before we wrap up this episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> why are Static and Gear flying to the scene of the crime and they make Shebang jump? Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they make her, they make her she leaped over the smallest amount of garbage and I was just like, yo, she couldn't get carried? <laughs> One of them could have done it. Either one of them could have carried her. They're making her jump into the scene of the crime. Like, yo, she's going to get there an hour late. Why are you doing this? <laughs> you are savages. Oh, my God. It was like, we. you can join our team, but we do not pay for travel. <laughs> exactly. Your travel will not be reimbursed. <laughs> I just had to point that out. Before we head into Out of Africa, where we see Virgil and Sharon are volunteering at a museum and Virgil's, you know, sneakily using his electric powers to put up a banner, which, you know, we would all do. No, no shame here. No shade Mm -hmm. here. And we find out that this new African exhibit has some interesting pieces. Yeah, because we see the return of Dr. Enoke, who is the curator for this, this exhibition as he gives him a sneak peek of some of the artifacts and there's really cool Ashanti gold artifacts he found following the um, excavation of some ruins. So he brings them over to be shown at the, for this exhibition. And he tells him that these, these artifacts are like over a hundred years old, but he gets quickly interrupted by this mysterious call. Um, and the caller is telling him that he's on his way that, and Dr. Noke is telling him that like, you go, just hurry on up. Because the sooner that this particular artifact, which we soon find out is this golden spider, is in his hands, the safer that we all will be. But this is when Dr. Inoke looks up and he sees this mysterious figure lurking around on the CCTV system that is in the room where they are. So he immediately starts to panic, grabs the spider from the case, and puts it in a jacket that is put onto 
one of the chairs as he grabs it, gives it to Sharon, and tells them that they all, but he, she and Virgil need to leave immediately. And I like this. It's very smart. It's very subtle. Mm-hmm. And it gets Sharon far away. Yeah, it's followed by Virgil saying like, oh, you know, the doctors seem nervous. Oh, snap. I, I forgot my backpack. And goes back to the museum. So very subtle way of Virgil trying to go and check on the doctor using context clues mm-hmm. and without drawing attention to himself. And it's a good thing because Snake Hands McGee is there. <laughs> Hands, McGee. <laughs> no more Lightning Blade McGee. Now it's Snake Hands McGee has attacked the doctor. And I mean, he has snake attributes. He has snake hands. I was kind of wondering if somehow this is in some way related to Cobra Commander in some really <laughs> roundabout way. If like maybe this is Cobra Commander's father or something like hmm. it had me curious. That was the snake connection so soon after the uh, the other snake incident. Interesting. I didn't think about that. I mean, it would make sense now because Static does have a history against facing against uh, snake-like creatures. Like, I'm thinking about from the... I think it was either season one or season two where he faced off against the snakes in the leather jackets, you know, the ones that were... tell That told us back in the day about drugs and, not and you know, making sure we're not doing them. So... Right, right. Yeah. Oh, dang. Is, is Static Harry Potter? Shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's, maybe he's a Gryffindor. I mean, the and, lightning uh, and everything. <laughs> well... We do have to figure out his house, but that's that's a discussion for another day. For right now, <laughs> Virgil uh, is gets there right as the doc is being wrapped up by the snake, and in a in a cool moment I never really thought about, Virgil's kind of forced to electrocute the snake and the doctor at the same time, mm-hmm. and you know he does apologize in advance, but the doc does get some collateral damage there, and Gear appears to lend some support at the same time though a a giant hornet man uh buzzes in and you know what uh you know full respect full respect to richie (laughs) for saying i ain't fighting that guy i'm not doing it Mm because he's he's a giant hornet he can shoot lasers he's like i'm gonna try a snake static you got the hornet i do the same thing I, I'm going to tell you right now, I do the exact same thing. <laughs> That's good to know, because I will also do the exact same thing. I do not <laughs> fuck with things that can sting you. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like if there's ever a hornet snake team up, uh, the hornet's getting away with whatever he's getting away with, because neither of us are doing anything about it. <laughs> he will rule the world. We do not care. <laughs> Just don't be near us. And in the middle of this battle, Static is... Another cool ability, he's able to project barriers of electricity among other people. So he uses it to protect a doctor. And fortunately, Hornet Man leaves with Snake Man. And um, outside in the museum, Anansi is revealed to be watching from the trees. And he decides to go undercover as a cop, which is really kind of funny and ironic. He's going undercover as a cop. Um, (laughs) And Let's see what she did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's a little clever gag. And since Gear had to go home because he accidentally blew up his garage at some point, Anansi and Static are left to team up together. So now we see that Hornet guy, Snake Eyes McGee, and now uh, Tiger Man from our 
previous episode. Oh, yeah. Evil Black Panther. Evil Black Panther is back. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, uh, their names, their their names in the show are based off of uh, the West African tales of Anansi. But they're all talking now as they are plotting to steal this spider that Dr. Inoke has hidden with Sharon. So we see, again, I guess now this is our, our next greatest fear as evil Black Panther tells the Hornet guy to head on out to find where the spider could be. And the Hornet guy splits into several more smaller versions of himself to go find the spider. And I know the bigger version was scary, but I feel like a swarm is even scarier. Yeah, I had a lot of questions about, like, if one of them is destroyed, does part of his body go missing? Or... Mm does he multiply himself there's a lot of questions i have about this villain that i don't want any answers to by the way you can (laughs) leave it as a full mystery and as he's out there searching anansi and static they are always so great together and i i do love this exchange where after anansi has waited for static to be alone and that's fair because he doesn't know gear Mm -hmm. you know he was just waiting for static one-on-one and he says, you know, Static's like, I will do anything to help you. And Anansi's like, straight face is like, great, break into that museum for me. <laughs> and Static instantly disables the alarm. So like, yo, if Static turned evil, he'd have a good time. He, yep, that is so true. So now we head on back to the Hawkins home where Sharon is still quite upset over what Dr. Enoki did, uh, basically rushing her out. She's not feeling comfortable about everything that she's done to help him during this time. But as she takes her jacket and throws it on the bed, the spider falls out and makes its way a little bit further on the bed. As she picks it up to immediately examine it, trying to figure it out what's going on, and realizes and remembers that this is a trinket from the, uh, for the exhibition that Dr. Enoki had pulled. So now she's kind of freaking out because she's wondering like how did they get into her get into her jacket. But at that same moment, uh, her father Robert comes in and tells her that you know she needs to go downstairs to clean the dishes. They've been packing up for quite some time now, and it seems like her responsibilities with the museum are overshadowing her her chores. And at that moment, as she's trying to hide the little spider, it completely disappears or makes itself invisible in her hand so she's like freaking out at the same time as her father's trying to tell her all these things and as soon as he leaves it reappears so now she's trying to figure out what's going on she tries to call dr inoke to see if maybe he can give an answer and i completely forgot i was like wondering like why did dr inoke not pick up the phone forgetting that he's in like in the whole icu (laughs) from between like being shocked by static and like being nearly crushed by debris right it's a real it's a realistic episode guys like he's just a dude (laughs) but at that moment we see that the hornet guy he is watching everything go down he sees the the phone ringing so he sees the number that's being called realizes sharon's number and now sharon had has downstairs to um to try as she's trying to call him again she is warned once again that she doesn't clean the dishes that she will be in serious trouble and she's spending too much time on the phone so she's so upset that she just kind of throws her hands in the air and by doing so the spider activates and it makes the 
it makes all the plates, all the dishes, all the cups, all the caked on food from all the Pyrex and Tupperware, even just disappear. Like they're all gone, all cleaned. Like even the stained plastic container Tupperware is, it doesn't have the stain from the leftover spaghetti anymore. What the hell happened in that kitchen? I have no <laughs> idea, but I need it. <laughs> that kitchen looked like it had been through a war zone. Like, I understand not cleaning the dishes for a few days, but I'm telling you, there were plates. There were like 100 plates on every surface. Like, what the hell happened? What were <laughs> There's doing? three of them. There's no way they didn't eat that much. <laughs> I, I can't. I could not do that in a year. Like, what happened here? But <laughs> yeah, so as soon as she realizes she can create illusions, she calls up Richie, who she calls Nerd Boy, unnecessarily mean there, Sharon, to figure out what's going on as she's being followed by uh, the Hornet. And, you know, she's testing out her powers, like trying to spruce up cars, garbage cans, and everything. And in a nice little sequence, they reveal that shortly after she casts an illusion, it goes back to where it was. So the, the car still stays a junker. The trash still looks um, uneven. And we get a chance to find out what this is all about when Anansi and Static are talking about this fable of Kuaku, the spider, and how he wants to gain the power of storytelling, which gives him the power of illusion, which is such a cool line. I love, I absolutely love that. And basically we find out that Kwaku, he tricked a hornet, a leopard, and a snake at different points of time. And that's how he gained his power over illusion. And it was contained in this uh, golden spider. So if it is damaged, if it is drained, Anansi will also lose his powers as well. And we also find out that the same characters, again, are the same people who are chasing after him now. So it's almost like a, um, just like for Anansi receiving his powers from being passed down from generation to generation, we're assuming that this is the same thing that's happening to them as Onini who is the python, uh, Mbaro is the hornet, and then we got Asibo, who is the leopard, or sorry, the leopard or tiger. We, there, we, we, that's the, the jury's still unsure about that one. <laughs> yeah, the stripes throwing everybody off, right? <laughs> so, as Static learns the story, at the same time, Richie is able to find the story as well and tell Sharon about all this stuff. And we find out that the something that's pretty interesting to me was that we find out that the totem has been lost for years, for hundreds of years. Also, that is needed to pass down the spider powers from one hero to the next. And because it's been lost in all this time and only been recently recovered by Dr. Inoke, I am wondering now, when did Anansi get his powers? Because if it's been lost for over 100 years, how old is Anansi? 300. This... <laughs> damn. Look, black but, don't crack, man. I'm, I know. I'm, I was thinking it, but God damn. That's, <laughs> that's different. That's like all the skincare routines were working on point that day. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like maybe it, it kind of seems like he was just coincidentally in the area of the totem or like maybe his staff or something mm, or his like channeling it maybe. Yeah, something like maybe it's like a connection. They kind of keep it a little vague. You know, to make everything work, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he, maybe he was just chosen like the speed force. It makes more <laughs> sense in the speed force, I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so 
back at Richie's now, Sharon is truly showing Richie that the spider totem actually does work as she's able to conjure a llama that snacks on Richie's sweater a little bit and realizes now that Dr. Inoki must have dropped this into her jacket and as a way to protect it, but she's unsure as to know why did he drop it in her in her jacket. But we soon find the answer out to that as evil Black Panther crashes through Richie's wall. And this does lead to another question I have because Richie is definitely on the second floor of his house. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's no way that evil Black Panther could gain enough footing to throw a punch to break down the wall and then completely start peeling away and then calmly walk in. There, where was he going from? <laughs> Look, either Richie has a terrace or that we don't we've never seen like that's the only thing i can think of like a terrace or a fire escape or something because i don't know how he pulled this off it's not in any his power set like that we know of right i mean we know he has a helicopter i don't know (laughs) It, it that was it seems like they forgot where richie lived for a second on that one but what i do love about this scene i i love everything about this ensuing action scene because First off, Gear tries to throw hands. Mm. Just un, uh, just no costume, no gadgets. He just tries to throw hands, and Black Evil Black Panther throws him out the window. Richie lands with Goku's power pole to save him. That he had like concealed in his like jacket or whatever. Like, yo, my man Richie is always ready to throw hands, no matter what. You gotta respect it though. <laughs> yeah, I I a hundred percent do. And Sharon, for her part, tries to fight back with illusions. That again, a nice callback that um evil Black Panther is not fooled by these illusions. And she even tries to, you know, put him in a cage, doesn't work. So she hides the spider with the illusion powers, snatches him up, snatches her up, and takes him on a, her on a helicopter. And that leads while she's been captured. Anansi and Static get to go undercover as doctors and intern and another fantastic scene. Yes, because this immediately opens up to Virgil commenting over the fact that Anansi has just made his dad very proud. And I'm pretty sure that not only his dad was proud, but I'm pretty sure every West Indian parent who's ever seen this was probably proud as well. (laughs) He's a doctor. Right? Like, yo, Anansi, can you hook us up? Like, I'm pretty sure my mom would be very happy if I ever came through in a a stethoscope of any kind. (laughs) So as Static and Anansi are making their way through, they do a quick little kind of back and forth pretending to be a doctor and an intern. We, we find out about mitochondrial conflagration. I don't think that's, I don't know if that's real or not. But anyway, they use it as an excuse to pass by the security guard or the officer who's stationed outside of Dr. Inoke's room. So this is when they get a moment to go speak with Dr. Inoke, who is resting oh so peacefully. This man looks like he has no cares in the world as he calmly wakes up to explain that he hid the spider with his assistant this assistant of his is Sharon. This is where Virgil picks up. He's like, oh, crap. Sharon's had it this entire time. He should have been protecting Sharon, not knowing that, like, it's already a little too late for him. Yeah, I do like how Dr. Noke was like, oh, it's safe with an innocent civilian. It was like, bro, <laughs> come on now. And back in uh, the captured, wherever the improvised, I guess they just rent 
uh, supervillain hideout when you're in town. And oh yeah, I think it's like a peer space or like a co-working space, probably. <laughs> <laughs> co-working space for Melody. I like that. So they're threatening Sharon if she doesn't give up the amulet. And in a great exchange, the Hornets, they're like, have you ever been stung? And Sharon goes, just my old boyfriend. And <laughs> I love that line. And also that as soon as they threaten to sting her, she immediately gives up. Because mm-hmm. again, I would do the same <laughs> damn thing. I would give that totem up. I'm not playing with this giant bee drill. I'm not playing at all. <laughs> the giant bee drill. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily, just in time, Anansi, Gear, and Static show up. And Gear does ask Anansi, you don't swing on a web? And he's like, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, these lines. Yeah. Also, Gear also had a, another good line in which he points out that uh, that Osibel has stripes. And if he's supposed to be a leopard, what, what's going on there? So Gear definitely probably should have taken that trip with Africa to, with us because I feel like he's an, he's asking the right questions. Oh, my God. Yeah, Gear, Gear is clutch because he decides, you know, this time again, he's going to go with the snake. Mm-hmm. once again don't blame you and the hornet this this dude is gangster he pushes sharon's entire cage <laughs> over and from a high place no osha regulations and after virgil saves sharon he does the appropriate thing which is to get the big pizza cloth and wrap up the bug like we would do to any bug and the the banner he was hanging up earlier, he uses it to wrap the Hornet. Again, love that you guys are bringing it back here. And now it's just the final battle between Anansi and evil Black Panther. Yes, and this is where we see kind of like also the evil Black Panther. He is showing that he has full control over the spider's powers, that he is pulling out the Shadow Clone Jutsu heavily with Anansi trying to do the same as everybody's trying, each versions of themselves are trying to take down the other. Uh, Anansi is unfortunately losing this time around as uh, more of the fight continues. So as Anansi's realizing that evil Black Panther is truly draining his powers, he decides to pull off one final trick with the help of Static. As again, this is where I am pretty sure that the Hawkins family, so my mistake, not Static, but Sharon, the Hawkins family is ready to murder on site because one thing that does happen is that along with wrapping up um, the evil Hornet, Static also drops an anvil on top of him. And I'm pretty sure that bug is squashed, like straight oh, up yeah. squashed. And then Sharon decides to replicate the same tactic by using the cage that she was trapped in and try to push it to land on top of evil Black Panther I'm pretty sure if that landed on top of him and not missed, he would have died. Yeah, it's like, you know, before he did survive that, like, ridiculous fall that Anansi almost killed them with. But (laughs) I'm pretty sure Anansi's had to murder a few people. But here it was clearly a problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Clearly Mm -hmm. she was ready to kill him for that B thing. And luckily Anansi uses the last of his powers after the totem falls on the floor to duplicate the totem to an unreasonable amount so evil black panther can't find it and static shows how op he's getting mm-hmm. by just coming in and instantly just sticking evil black panther on the ceiling he's like i don't got no time for your nonsense <laughs> and he's like oh static clean 
wait, what did a bitch say something? Did a bitch touch the ceiling and say something? And <laughs> he has nothing. He can do nothing. And this allows Anansi to reclaim the totem and do his own Super Saiyan charge up to regain full access of his powers. So now our episode's wrapping up with all of them outside. The animal crew has been taken in. They Sharon is definitely getting charmed by Anansi, but she has to pull herself away because she keeps thinking that she's forgetting something. And I do love this moment because Gear asks, is like, oh, is it if, if it's about the, the kid that tried to help you, don't worry, ma'am. He is safe. I was able to catch him as he was basically slapped outside of a two-story window. <laughs> like <laughs> and she was like, no, it's not that. And I was like, wait, you didn't care if your if your brother's friend <laughs> fell out of a two-story window? <laughs> <laughs> but she we quickly learn because she gets a phone call from robert and he tells her it's like you know I, I hope you're having some fun out there i hope you're having big fun out there because i'm here at home looking at all these dirty dishes that you about to clean for the next month because as you remember the spider is only an illusionary device so all of these are clearly seen by robert who now gives Sharon this chore for the rest of the month, much to Virgil's joy. And it's a great little way to end our episode here as we now have to think about the, the most important question, which of these three episodes is getting that top spot and which of these episodes are you just need a timeout on? Oh, yeah. Like, I'll also say real quick, you knew she was in trouble when Robert started laughing at the phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm looking at right now. Right now. <laughs> all, all these dishes. <laughs> you know, I love it. Um, and I do love this episode more than the rest because um, out of Africa, it had so much humor, so much fun, so much good plots. Uh, the villains were surprisingly effective. Their goal was simple, but like Hornet's so overpowered. Like he can be anywhere in the city. And you've got these two support players that are great great episode great fun love seeing anansi love that they added some mythology in there um it's such a rich and layered episode you can really tell there was a lot of love in it and it paid off so definitely for them is the top episode um automatically you know batman beyond was gonna pull ahead <laughs> just <laughs> just because he exists exactly <laughs> um what held, held him back a little bit was i don't really think the whole robin resentment plot line really paid off in any Agreed. meaningful way like i was like is this gonna come back up and it didn't really <laughs> i didn't really see how it connected to batman bat of uh, terry's conflict with static didn't really connect with robins and batman mm-hmm. i don't really get how that was supposed to play out um but again i'm sorry shebang but for the third time, your episode is the worst of the batch. Not because of Shebang, who was the best she's ever been, mm-hmm. but because of Madeline, mm. say, Flash Puppet Master, her motivations to kill Static were thin, to say the least. I mean, like, and you compare it to Ebon, who even on his worst day, just wanted to like capture or expose Static. She just straight up wants to murder him. Yeah um didn't really see why um and i think it was just kind of a a weak effort and it once again we rehash the whole virgil hates shebang thing and i we had nothing new it's the same arc where virgil gets pissed off by shebang and then by the end of the episode they're friends Uh, why are we doing this again 
you know? Yeah, definitely agree. It Shebang, the Shebang episode is actually also my, my worst episode as well. Same reason, just because it does feel like we are taking the same story, the same issues that they have encountered with each other and just, play it all over again just this time it was like almost like a reboot of her character because we're changing her personality but the other part of it too i was thinking it's just like we still haven't gotten the chance to really kind of dive into her side of like what's really going on we just get mentions of you know they of all this entire criminal like science organization that's dedicated to making copies of her by stealing her dna that right there we have built shows around and we haven't really seen anything even in the episode in which we saw her um kind of get that deep dive on her world it was all about dr koenig so i do wish that they did a little bit more with her episode here because i think that there is so much more that they can pull off here and to have it just be that like she has this growing pains again with static and gear I really, at one point, just really wanted to see not her tackle a static villain, but kind of, I think it would have been awesome if we saw her, her story really come to a head with, like, she's, she has to face off against, like, the true big bad that of her, of her parents' company. And because there's a lot you could have done here. Like, heck, I would have seen, love to see, like, maybe if they did, like, a, a, a moment in which like maybe there are other versions of her out there and she has to fight to take them down like I, all right so i know that kind of sounds like the plot of captain america civil war with the whole winter soldier story arc <laughs> but i think it would have been done well here just given the fact that shebang is a genetically engineered human being with peak physical conditioning skills and all these cool things. So to see her probably face against off against somebody who's a bit stronger than her, but very much like her, maybe with more powers, it would have been cool because then we could have turned this into more of a shebang focused episode versus like shebang tagging along with static and gear, which I think that out of Africa, which is my best episode pick did a really good job with everything that happened in that story. It's static joining along for the ride of a Nazi's tale. It's never him taking precedence in the story arc in any way, shape, or form. It's like we have how Static interacts with Anansi's villains, Anansi's motivations. And it's something that I think we also saw with the Justice League episode where it's like, even though these aren't his villains, these are people who, you know, how he has a connection to that he's able to just like see how his world could intertwine with them. And shebang unfortunately just doesn't have that she's always kind of more joining along for the ride even in the the heavy man episode so only reason why I'm wrapping these up is because shebang shebang is the ultimate episode within the shebang story arc and out of africa also serves as the last episode in the anansi story arc so to kind of have the the two of them compared to one another it's a very different ball game when you see when you think about how the character was used uh, 100% agree with everything. I mean, I, I just think the, the integration of characters and like making the story personal to, to Virgil really helps in the Out of Africa episode. And Shebang, it's again, it's just a tragic arc of wasted potential. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many stories that feel like this character deserved mm-hmm. and could have told and they just never really capitalized on it. And I'm not clear why. I don't know if they weren't even sold on the character or what, but 
it, it's just a shame they never really let her hit her potential. Yeah. And just also speaking about the Shock to the Future episode, it was a good episode. I also agree that there were some moments that didn't really pay off. Uh, agreed with that Robin explanation of just like him having growing pains with Batman because I mean eventually by the I mean we know that he ends up becoming a civilian but for it to be then like we now jump to the future and Terry's just like oh yeah everything's great with Batman we we like play a game of catch every Sunday or something <laughs> like the, it, it felt like it didn't make any sense and then I know that the point of the maybe the point of it was to ha- show that Static doesn't have a mentor but like in his entire time in the future, he doesn't even seem like he needed a mentor because he clearly is able to handle his own. He has years of stealth mission experience and eventually even future Batman ends up joining along with Static in his way of doing things. Like, And their ways are very similar. So it just didn't really click for me in that way but i gotta say i do love me some old man bruce wayne because old man bruce wayne is a stubborn sob so (laughs) (laughs) gotta gotta love him um so that's why it's the middle episode for me (laughs) all right so those were our episodes we don't have much comic book connection because again shebang is a made for tv character anansi is a west african folklore character so there is more of the west african folklore stories that we have the connection here And then Batman Beyond's appearance in this is definitely just more connected to the DC animated universe storytelling of it all. This is not the first time, however, that we've seen kind of a future telling aspect of the DCAU. As we mentioned, there was Kronos, who was in the Justice League, um, the animated series episode, who had a very similar kind of style to Time Code and a similar kind of like story arc that was played out there. Where We do see a futuristic static as well. This time around, he is... I'm assuming much older because he has more gray locks instead of the the black dreadlocks that he has in this episode. And he has his old fashioned coat like we see in the um, in this as we see in our typical static. And funny thing, though, we actually do have something that I think that I am able to connect the Nazi to because in issue number 31 of the Static Shock series, this was after the rebooted their soft reboot that they did within the series. Uh, we do get introduced to a character that is a big influence to Static and is a Silver Scarab character who is much kind of like Zoro. And when you look at the character, he actually looks very much a little bit like Anansi himself. I, I can accept close enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's really cool because he does talk about in the book that um, how this character was kind of an influence for him in his own decision to become a superhero. So... I think more of the look was more of the influence here. But the best thing about this is that the book itself, the comic book issue number 31, dropped in January of 1996. Ah, See, it all (laughs) comes around, guys. I'm telling you. So, yes, definitely do uh, pick up this book. It is available wherever you get your comic books, possibly. as of right now, it is definitely available to read on the DC Universe uh, Infinite comic book site. Hashtag we are not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, to, uh, you know, definitely pick up this book because it is cool to see kind of like, again, as this is our last season of Static Shock, we can see a little bit of a growing period for Static here as we find out more, as we try to tie up the loose ends that are coming out of the series, as well as just really... Um, seeing where we where static goes in his future like 
because we do now see that he's changing in his own ways. He's recognizing where he probably does need to grow and not having it be just a happenstance moment where he realizes that like, this is something I need to change. He's recognizing how he needs to grow, who he wants to be in his circle. And more importantly, that a tiger has stripes and a leopard has spots. Very important lesson for a young man to learn. (laughs) So that wraps up our episode. So until then, take care of yourselves. And remember that I guess that a tiger has stripes and a leopard has spots. Yeah. And if you see a giant hornet man, leave it to somebody else. Yeah. Now that we've finished talking about our DC animated content, here are some recommended readings for you. All these comics and more can be found at your local comic shop, so remember to venture out and support your part of the source wall, and tell them Andrew and Shamar sent you. First, we have Batman Beyond the Animated Series. Although Static doesn't make an appearance in this 1999 series that ran for three seasons, it is an amazing show if you want to know a bit more about the future of this continuity of the DCAU. Next, we have Justice League Unlimited, The Once the Future Thing. As we mentioned, the Justice League has dealt with a time travel villain in the past, and it was in this two-part episode from 2005. Not only does the future Batman make an appearance, we also see the full League work alongside an even older Static. Finally, we have Static number 31. In this issue from around 1996, it serves as a soft reboot for Static as new writers take on the stories. In this issue, Static shares his journey to becoming a hero and how it was influenced by the Nazi-like character, the Scarlet Scarab. That's all for our list. Thank you for listening and be sure to rate, review, and follow yet another DC animated podcast. Also, interact with us on social media for news on upcoming content. Take care and we'll see you for the next issue.